Okay. Hello, beautiful humans. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, this is our first episode of Orange Pillars. And so essentially the idea with this is to create a podcast where people who spend a good amount of their energy orange pilling, um, and whatever that means, and we'll get into like how we define that even, can share stories, share perspectives, and um, you know, share lessons about what what they've learned about the art and science of orange pilling. Um, so my name's Nick, and I'm here with Pavel. Hello. Pavel and I did a podcast a while back about his project in Rab, which is literally a beastly orange pilling project in, in the city in <laughs> yeah. Croatia. So we can talk about that. But um, I think having an intention when you're doing a project is important. So for me, the intention is create an opportunity to have informal monthly conversations where orange pillars can just talk um, and really to cultivate collective orange pilling intelligence, right? This um, Thich Nhat Hanh has a great quote in one of his books and it says that combining our experiences and insights leads to a collective insight that can be wiser than the sum of its parts. And the idea that me having a conversation with Pavao or, or two orange pillars having a conversation can result in insights that are greater than the sum of the individuals. So I think the idea with this is, this is the pilot episode. We'll do a value for value podcast that features orange pillars and we'll be able to use whatever funds we receive um, to help Pavao on his quest to orange pill rad. So um, Pavao, you wanna introduce yourself just for people who don't know us, like maybe a 30 second bio and then we'll, uh, we'll just dig into orange pilling. Sure, sure, thank you. Um... Yeah, my name is pa uh, Pavao, and uh, I'm, uh, I mean, b basically, I consider myself like a Bitcoiner, uh, you know, freedom-oriented uh, pleb. Um, in my quote-unquote former uh, life, I was uh, like an entrepreneur, so I ran an educational technology startup. Uh, which I'm still kind of a little shareholder in, but uh, in in last two years I'm basically working in the in the Bitcoin space, mainly uh, in uh, on uh, safedin.com, so on uh, Safedin Amus platform for Austrian economics and Bitcoin economics. So, and uh, you know, in my kind of free time, I'm <laughs> orange peeling my family friends uh broader community here so yeah that's what i'm kind of uh doing at the moment powerful safe dean's podcast on lex like today is may 19th uh <laughs> yeah dude his podcast with on, with lex was tremendous i think he uh like that's like a master class that's like a summation of the bitcoin standard right and and some more i guess relevant uh timely points so yeah, listen to that. I got a couple of my family members to listen to that. And that was like, I, I saw some light bulbs. I, or I kind of felt some light bulbs go off in some of their heads based on the questions they're asking. So very cool. Um, yeah, my name's Nick. Um, I create content for the Bitcoin Stoa. I'm just a Bitcoiner. Uh, a lot of people know me from helping get Bitcoin uh, to the Freedom Truckers in Ottawa. And uh, since December, I've basically become a, a professional orange pillar which means that, you know, I define professional as that is the primary outlet for my energy and the way I intend to um, 
make income to pay for my lifestyle. So, um, yeah, let's get into, let's just start with what the hell is orange pilling? Because I think this is a subjective term. Many people use the term and I think many people have maybe different, um, I think the term means different things to different people. So even just to start, like, how do you define orange pilling? Let's get into the weeds of what does orange pilling mean? Some people use it as a, you know, an action verb in the present, like I'm orange pilling someone. Uh, people also use it in the past tense of so, as something that they have done, right? I, I orange pilled this person. So I think the nuance of like, what does orange pilling mean? If it's used in the past tense, what is the metric that determines whether you are successful or not? So yeah, what is orange pilling to you? Uh, I mean, in the simplest term, it's uh, uh, basically explaining Bitcoin to uh, a person who doesn't have any at the moment. Um, usually I like to start with the, let's say the idea, the fact that most the vast majority of people have heard about bitcoin at least once in their life no nobody's really going to if they are if you ask them have you heard about bitcoin very rarely you are going to come across someone who is going to say no i never heard about it so at least nine out of ten people have heard about it at least uh, but hearing about it and actually owning some sets you know getting off zero, that's something else. That's that's huge chasm between, you know, hearing about Bitcoin and actually going out of your way to, to, to get some in your possession. And this is where Orange Pillar actually comes in. It's usually, at least in my case, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can Orange Pill people who, who already, um, know me and trust me uh, or if i orange pill someone who i just met then it means that um, they usually have to have uh, they have to feel uh, a level of conviction in what i'm talking about such high that it breaks all of their kind of uh, objections to, to to the idea of of getting into bitcoin getting to hold bitcoin uh, because all of us, uh, or most of us, when we started out our Bitcoin journeys, we had uh, certain objections, certain skepticism, right, uh, about this, because we are so steeped into the life of uh, of daily life, and you know, using money that we are using, we are using fiat currencies, you know, in our daily life. It's like uh, fish in the water, right? So you don't really fish cannot really explain what's water it's just uh something that's around her uh, uh it's it's used to it so that's that's what it is with with other people I mean, you know with normies so to speak with no coiners they are um they are using fiat currency in their daily life and they are not really thinking about it uh until they start thinking about it and then when they start you know if they get orange built and then when once they start to 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 feel and to experience uh how how using bitcoin in your daily life looks like which is like a volatile deflationary currency uh deflationary money that it's more valuable over time versus uh, fiat which is like 
stable, but it's worthless over time. That's something that uh, that's very very life changing, really. So, so for me, orange peeling is, uh, you know, just being able to to talk with people, uh, you know, about their lives, about their whatever they have, like uh, their life situation, their business, their their family situation, their their finance situation. This finance money touches every every part of of uh, of human um, endeavor, right? And uh, and when Bitcoin comes in, that's when uh, you know things start to change. So that's what uh, orange billing means to me. Yes, yeah, and you, and you mentioned get off zero. I think for me, the end point. Um, of the work of orange pilling someone comes when they get off zero. Oh, I think I lost you for a sec. Can you still hear me? Yeah. There we go. I paused it for a sec. Yeah, I think the whole notion that, okay, if um, orange pilling is a continuum, they go from zero knowledge of Bitcoin, which I include, like, like you said, most people have heard the word, have received at minimum one Bitcoin touch point where they've heard the word. Right? It's pretty rare that no one's heard the word by now, um, but they might not be interested and it might not, they might not be curious at all. So the whole idea of like zero knowledge of Bitcoin, the process of understanding it, the end of the continuum is getting off zero. And I don't count gifts, right? If you give someone five bucks in Bitcoin, I don't really count that as getting off zero because they didn't do it on their own volition and there was no conviction needed for that. Um, and this whole notion that orange pilling is really guiding people along that continuum. Right. And I used to think of, I think sometimes it's easy to think of orange pilling as an event, like you orange pilled someone, like it's one thing. And I think it's helpful to look at it from the standpoint of it being a process, right? Whereby you're helping them navigate the continuum, but you're really the work is to help reduce the friction of navigating that continuum. It's not to like teach them, it's to point them in the right direction to slowly build their understanding. And one thing you said there was this notion that like people, you start with orange pilling people who trust you. And that fundamentally, I think orange pilling is relationship building, right? Like trust must be a precursor before someone is willing to have a conversation and believe and, and have um, faith that what you're saying is true and that you're saying it for the right reasons. So, which means orange pilling is fucking hard because human relationships are not a, are not a simple thing, right? Um, and, you know, one thing I've started to feel, you know, I studied the psychology of change because I come from a health background and, and fundamentally helping someone improve their health is fundamentally helping them change their mind to think that health is actually important enough to spend their time on and that they can build some confidence knowing that they can actually do something for their health. And I think Bitcoin is the same thing, right? Bitcoin is fundamentally the, um, or orange billing is helping it's understanding how people change their mind and why they change their mind. And I think most of the time human action comes through the avoidance of pain, right? Like most things. And this idea that I think a lot of people are experiencing pain right now. Most people misdiagnose the source of pain, right? Like the gas is too high. Well, the source of that pain is the gas station ripping me off. And so this, this whole misdiag constant misdiagnosis of socioeconomic pain, let's call it, um, is really trying to help people understand their problems deeper, right? Like if someone understands their problem, a, a problem they're facing, and then you can help them orient to the fact that Bitcoin 
could be a viable solution to that problem or part of the solution. Uh, you know, it really is like an, an almost like an art. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, if you treat it as, um, it's very easy to get frustrated because most people don't bite on the Bitcoin the first time you talk about it, right? It doesn't matter how well you talk about it, what you point them to. And, you know, there's almost like a, a fork at that point. It's like, well, I can either just write this person off as like, you're going to get screwed over by fiat. I have, I, I don't have the time to help you. And so what, you know, like what differenti differentiates whether you go down one fork or the other, one fork is have fun staying poor. The other fork is, well, okay, you don't have it yet, but I'm here when, if you get curious and here are some resources to learn, you know, like how does, what determines what path you go down? Because it feels way better just to have fun staying poor, right? <laughs> some, depending on the person. Um, and yeah, I just think people fundamentally don't understand that most of their pain and suffering comes from this underlying fiat mindset and fiat system that all of our decisions are trickled, uh, are, are, are byproducts of. And the cognitive dissonance of realizing that everything you've based your life on, the monetary system you've based your life on <laughs> is total bullshit and is literally screwing you over is a very steep obstacle, right? I felt it when I first got into Bitcoin and I know I, I see people feel it where they're like, that can't be true. There's no way, you must be wrong. You must be one of those crypto people. And it's like, okay, let's keep working on this. And so what, what, what gives you the motivation to go down this, that, that fork where it's like, okay, I'm going to keep working on this is meaningful enough for me to keep working on. It is difficult work. Most of the time it's high energy, uh, required. So you have to put a lot of energy into it. Um, it's not like you're getting paid for it, it you know, tangibly. I mean, you know, it depends what time horizon you're looking at. Um, because to me, having a Bitcoin surround me in my life is worth, it's priceless. And it's a long-term thing, but what makes you, what motivates you to do this, to do this work, to be, to do the work of orange pilling? Uh, well, uh, it's, it's probably a bit kind of selfish, actually. Uh, I mean, when I, when I, uh, talk about Bitcoin with someone, it's, it's mostly because, I mean, I, I get, uh, like better understanding and better, uh, grasp of it once i have to basically explain it to someone or answer their their you know objections about it and and uh, and then this is one level then another level is uh, the fact that then i then i kind of realize that if i am uh, helping another person you know move their uh, life savings into into bitcoin then this is going to make both their life better and my life better because another hodler, right, is going to increase the 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 kind of the, the purchasing power floor of of Bitcoin, right? And you know when when I see a person who I orange pilled, then orange pilling their you know circle of influence, their family, their friends, then this means that. Um, Basically, um, like I'm kind of contributing to growing this big, you know, network. This uh, this network where each each one of us is like a, like a, a node that that you know the whole network is becoming more more valuable for all of us. 
So it's both like selfish, but selfless on the other hand, it's, it's, um, it's perfect. Uh, you know, um, th- there is no, uh, like, there were some situations where I had so much frustration uh, talking about it, uh, especially with people who are uh, older, like uh, yes. baby boomer generation, for example. They are, oh my God, it's like so, um, it's, it's, I had to, like, there is the one lady who I had to, you know, explain <laughs> the difference between you know, holding Bitcoin on an exchange versus holding Bitcoin uh, in her own possession, meaning she controls the private key, I I would say at least 200 times. And she still doesn't really get it. She still cannot grasp this this idea that that she would have to, you know, um, make sure that she does not lose the, the, the private key because if she does... This means that she would lose all of her, you know, all of her money. Um, and, um, you know, so, so, but then again, when I, like, like when I get frustrated with that, then I just, just try to remember that uh, the fact that I went through this ordeal of trying to explain it so much, so many times, and I still maybe failed to do, to do so, uh, still this, this process of, uh, you know, this time spent was, time well worth uh, you know uh, investing in in such uh, in such things because um, I always ca- come out of out of this uh, this conversation with more conviction with stronger like uh, I, I have easier time speaking about Bitcoin again in another situation and this is just uh, you know multiplying over time and I just wanted to, to also say that um, for me also orange peeling is Yes, it is a process, and it's a process where you have two very, you know, distinctive uh, points. One is before you, while you are a no-coiner, so before you get of zero, and then after you get of zero, after you start, you know, getting some some sats. Um, I also found found out that there are like with my orange build group. There are people who who need more hand holding after they got yeah. got orange build, and there are people who have less. And I still have. Uh, so I, I think that uh, what I tell everybody is once they get off zero, then they should uh, count four years after that point, at least four years. But four years would be let's say a time target, which is two hundred ten thousand blocks, right? Uh, because if, if you take, uh, you know, any point in time uh, in Bitcoin's price and, the, you know, uh, subtract 210,000 blocks, you will arrive at the lower price, which means, uh, in other words, if you start with uh, any time you start, add four years and you, 100% of the time your Bitcoin is going to appreciate in purchasing power by, you know, by a lot. Uh, and I, I still think that... that uh, theory holds and this is what i what i constantly repeat to my to my group because for example now we had a a crash again you know we are again kind of bearish and so on and you know someone who started just a couple of months ago is uh, maybe it's he they are scared right so that's when i getting tested now that's when i remind them okay you just started out like you are maybe five months in 
just count how many time how many days do you have left you know in your four-year journey right so you're just getting started so take a deep breath you know Thich Han is excellent like for this situation yes. just start breathing in breathing out and uh if you feel too much, you know, uh, kind of angst around this situation, if you are not uh, like, uh, oh my God, Bitcoin is on sale, I want to increase my, my position if I can, that means that you are probably uh, too exposed uh, right yes. now. You are just getting started, you are just a little baby, you have to kind of grow into it. Um, so that's, that's, that's the situation with, uh, you know, orange peeling and 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 then when again when i drop motivation sometimes even you know in spite of all of this then i just try to imagine uh how are how are my orange pill group going to look like if they continue accumulating sats in four years so that's 2026 let's say may 2026 i just imagine okay they have accumulated you know a part of their paycheck uh, every every month or every two weeks or whatever part of their income for four years you know with a very high level of consistency and they have seen their purchasing power appreciating you know 10x uh, in that in that period of time and i just want to kind of teleport myself into that future timeline and just imagine okay this is how am i feeling right now do i now i i'm kind of you know uh, happy right now when I see yeah. them, you know, making their, you know, paying off their mortgages or getting out of debt or, you know, uh, buying something that they, that they are um, very, you know, passionate about or whatever, just, uh, you know, whatever you can do with <laughs> once you have a good stack, then you can do whatever, whatever you want. Your life is definitely going to be better. So, yes. And I, yeah, that's, that's an a instrument. <laughs> That's a great point where it's like, okay, if you're, if you're anxious or nervous at any point based on the Bitcoin price, uh, it's a signal that there's a mismatch, right? There's a mismatch between the amount of your wealth that is in Bitcoin and your conviction or confidence in Bitcoin. So you have two options. The better option is to boost your conviction, is to instead of stacking more sats, stack more knowledge. Because then you realign things to feel more comfortable that your Bitcoin is safe and that is a good, um, it is a good trade to continue making, right? It's always, I think Michael Saylor says it, it's always a good trade to trade an inferior asset for a superior one. And the fact that, you know, nothing changed with Bitcoin in this dip, humans have just become confused again. And, you know, the people who are determining the Bitcoin price don't understand Bitcoin very well yet. And I think the, you know, this idea that when people do get off zero, uh, you know, if you orange pill, like there's a lot of people that I quote unquote orange pilled, they've gotten off zero. You don't, it doesn't really, you, you still remain a resource for them, right? But I think the fundamental difference that I see is that when someone has gotten off zero on their own volition, now that they have skin in the game, their learning journey is more self-directed and their intrinsic motivation to continue learning no longer needs constant input of energy to get someone to, to, to get them to a point, right? They've gotten to that point. They have skin in the game. It is in their self-interest to learn more about this thing. And typically, you know, I don't know anyone who has gotten skin in the game, learned more about Bitcoin and not acquired more Bitcoin, right? 
And everyone goes about that at their own pace, right? Like some people go at warp speed and just go down the rabbit, like literally fall down the rabbit hole. And, you know, in a year they're like, yeah, I sold my house and I bought Bitcoin. And now I, now I just research all day about how to hold my own keys. It's like, okay, that's one path. But other people will take it very slow, right? Like other people might not have the bandwidth. Everyone, I think right now is under this stress and pressure whereby there's not a whole lot of extra bandwidth to spend on things, right? At the end of the day, all they have the energy to do is just like watch Netflix and go to bed. So I think it's important to be sensitive to the fact that most of the world is fucking under the gun right now because of all the mayhem going on. But um, I think one of the biggest things that motivates me is like Bitcoin has fundamentally changed my life and given, you know, now that I have a reliable store of value that I feel confident in, the stress associated with how the fuck do I plan for the future in this world that is uncertain on a monthly basis um, is gone. And it's just like this ability to take a breath and be like, oh, it's it's going to be OK. Like I just have, this is the most important thing to learn about. And this thing has improved my life. Therefore, I want to make it available to as many other people so they can improve their own lives and then improve the lives of others. Because like you said, it's like once someone takes the orange pill, they want to tell other people about it. Once they've gotten to a threshold of conviction, usually when they get off zero for selfish reasons, you know, like more people on the network equals a more valuable network asset. And also more people on the network equals a better world, right? Like, I don't want to be a Bitcoiner living in a fiat neighborhood. Like, I don't, it, like being the only person who's happy where everyone else is miserable and poor is it's not actually a great place to be in, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, everyone brings their own motivation, but the, the thread of the conversations I've been having is like, people are like, Bitcoin has done amazing things in my life, therefore, I want to pay that back and pay it forward by helping make other people, uh, other people's lives better. Um, and back to that comment about boomers, <laughs> I can, I can definitely <laughs> relate about that. And I think it boils down, it comes back to the, the pain thing, right? All human behavior is done, um, is guided by pain, right? Or the avoidance of pain, let's say, um, you know, boomers don't experience very much pain. Right. The, the, the fiat system has served them very well and continues to do so if you're willing to just keep blind to it. Right. Like my my father is heavily invested in real estate. He's never lived through a time where real estate hasn't been an insane investment and has no pain in the fiat system. In fact, he has massive gain. Therefore, he has no reason to change. Uh, the lady you talked to about getting her keys off the exchange has not experienced pain. When she gets rug pulled or the exchange goes bankrupt and they steal all our Bitcoin, you know, some people have to experience the pain moment. Obviously, it's better to help them avoid that. But some people will simply not have a, an, um, an impetus for action until pain is felt. It's kind of like health, right? No one gives a shit about their health until they experience pain and disease. And then they're like, well, shit, I got to take care of myself. And, you know, the hope is that people don't get there. But yeah, I think boomers are Boomers just don't experience enough pain. They're so comfortable right now with the fiat system, and it is um, very comfortable to stay ignorant to the long-term implications of the fiat system. So, yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. I mean, it's it's so foreign. This this whole idea. I mean, I think the technology of Bitcoin. Clearly, it's a hard thing to to digest, right? It just is because even if you are 
Um, I mean, look at Michael Saylor. He's literally a technologist. He's written about technology his whole life. And even initially he was, he was, he did not grasp Bitcoin and yep. he's a super genius. So, you know, someone like that takes a little bit of time and a little bit of work. I know, uh, Eric big fund was the guy credited with orange pilling him. I think it requires as an, as someone who finds meaning in orange pilling, I think our dedication and patience and commitment to to orange pilling as a low time preference um vocation is incredibly important because the openness and the, the humility also to not to not just tell someone to have fun staying poor is so important because you know you don't want to waste any opportunity and i, I think one thing i've learned is like every opportunity to talk about bitcoin where someone expresses curiosity even as long as it's in good faith, right? Like you can tell people trying to hook you in and you could tell they're just, they just want a reason to talk shit about Bitcoin. But anyone who brings up a curiosity with Bitcoin in good faith is a precious opportunity that should not be wasted. And I think that's where my motivation comes in, where it's like more people are expressing curiosity about Bitcoin because there's more touch points in the world mentioning Bitcoin, whether that's like a you know, a legacy media news article that maybe they talk shit about Bitcoin, but the word Bitcoin being there is a touch point for people. Um, your pin that you have on your shirt, right? Like exactly. I wear a hat and, and two that says Bitcoin. Like these are all touch. These are all our efforts to bring <laughs> to bring up more touch points. And the amount of times it's actually worked where I've been wearing a hat or a toque and someone says, oh, is that Bitcoin? What? And they and they inquire about it. Um, it's yeah, great. And <laughs> it, it, I know it's glorious. And and. You also mentioned the fact that to really un like when you teach Bitcoin, it actually gives you a better understanding of Bitcoin. I think exactly. the best way to understand something is to teach it. Exactly. And every person that objects or every, I don't want to call it a failed attempt, but every attempt to bring up Bitcoin and the inability to, to um, meet an objection with a, with a, you know, with a productive answer is a learning opportunity to get better at explaining Bitcoin. Um, what are some of the tougher objections that you've, that you've been faced with? Like, what are any memorable moments where like someone voiced something and you're like, I don't know how to answer that yet, or I don't have a good answer for that. Anything, anything that comes to mind? I mean, uh, well, not really, because I kind of went through all of, all of the like classic, you know, talking points, which basically, uh, I mean, I guess the hard. I mean, the hardest objections uh, actually uh, are when, when, like, let's say, for example, I had a guy who who is uh, he is like a gold bug or gold bugish. You know, he he saves like his his family. They they have a, a bakery business here uh, in Rab and. Uh, once I start, you know, there, there was a situation when I just mentioned that, um, you know, he was complaining about the, you know, the, the you know, price inflation, you know, and things like that. And I mentioned uh, maybe, you know, maybe Bitcoin is a solution. Then immediately he said, no, 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 I know everything about it. Uh, I am uh, like, uh, I, I finished uh, my economy degree. I run a successful business. I, I'm a successful businessman. You know, my family is successful. I, I think uh, I, I only trust uh, gold, right? Because I can touch it. You know, I can. Um, mm. So I, I, you know, for, for the, you know, if, 
shit hits the fan, I have my cup of, you know, gold bars and gold coins that I stashed away. I just don't trust anything, you know, that's not, that I cannot touch. And like, that's an objection that I cannot really, um, I mean, I could try to, I tried to maybe, I mean, I could try to explain that, uh, you know, having something uh, in, in a physical realm that you can touch is really like you, you, are, you are touching the gold bar, but really uh, if you touch anything else, the fact that the gold bar has uh, much more value, uh, purchasing power than something else is because gold bar is harder to produce more of, um, you know, uh, if the demand for, for the gold goes up, it's hard to produce more of, of gold and it keeps accumulating over time because, you know, because of its, its chemical properties versus, I don't know, a copper, which you can still touch, but it's easier to produce more versus Bitcoin, which uh, you cannot produce more uh, of uh, if the demand goes up. And it's, I mean, you can imagine the, you know, electric power plants uh, and mining rigs that are basically producing these coins. That's something that you can touch. But, uh, but maybe that's the, that's the moment where some people just cannot, uh, you know, they cannot cross this, uh, this chasm. They cannot really enter into the, so to speak, metaphysical realm and understand yeah. that Bitcoin is really, you know, and information about the proof of work, about the you know um, opportunity cost of 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 energy that went into mining of it. It's not just uh, conjured out of thin air, uh, as uh, as some of these usually more educated uh, you know gold bugs or no coiners that are very bent on on misunderstanding. I think it's all, always got kind of goes <laughs> maybe it's. Uh, go, goes down into that uh, meme of uh, you know the IQ curve uh, where you know if <laughs> no that's really it's yeah, really true from my experience that uh, people who are who, like <laughs> who have very you know very strong but you know deep convictions they are not usually they are kind of in this middle uh, of you know capacity of understanding but I think. Uh, Everyone is going to get, um, I mean, if we are objectively speaking, like Bitcoin is still very new. Uh, it's 13 years. Like once, uh, let's just, uh, let's just uh, look at the internet, right? Today, everybody's using internet. It's like uh, no, nobody's really thinking about it anymore. Uh, and if in like early 90s, yeah, you had like internet enthusiasts who were, very passionate about it they were talking about i don't know routers and uh, you know modems and how can you build a website imagine that you can have a website on the internet and then you can buy things from it you can send an email you know over this uh, new network and uh, 99% of people were just you know what's that like, uh, we are in that phase now with bitcoin so we are talking about it we are talking about how you can Secure Bitcoin, how you can send it, what's mining, what's, uh, you know, lightning uh, network, how could, you know, all of that, uh, we are, you know, uh, us innovators, basically, we are still, I, I don't even see us in this uh, early majority, 
no. kind of uh, legal pioneers still. Legal, yeah, we're the nerds we're, that knew about the internet before people nerds, knew about the right? internet. So, so let's say in 10, 10 15 years, um, nobody's really going to think about it. Um, really, they will. They will just. They will just uh, behave differently. People will will um, simply. Uh, start start understanding that uh, yeah this is this is new form of money we are now using it and this is a different form of money because before like uh, the whole 20th and 21st you know 20th century we kind of uh, our parents grandparents they they lived in a society where their money the longer they held on to it the the worse they got off because the money lost value over time versus our new money that we are using now is gaining value over time and it's it's kind of simple like that, um, mm. and um, but you know to get there, uh, of course, uh, if you like, if you are into Bitcoin now in 2022, uh, yeah, you will get uh, you will get kind of there in this world much faster, and it's going to be much more volatile, and and you will get get like more. <laughs> this is this is the the return that you are basically gain, getting if you if you take the risk to learn it now when it's not so easy to learn i mean that the same with internet like if you started but also if you started an internet let's say business or you you were into it in early 90s chances are that you that you may be that you maybe haven't haven't been able to to make it right maybe you failed uh, in that uh, mm-hmm. many people have been you know have lost their money in in early days of of internet uh, boom, so to speak, uh, and so also many people are losing money now, um, both on Bitcoin and on, not not even to start talking about uh, shitcoin land. It's like, um, I mean, I also know my one of my friends who who <laughs> she she bought uh, Bitcoin on on. On the way, uh, way up on in bull run 2017, and sold it like, I don't know, maybe she bought it at 3k and sold it at 6k, and she missed the whole, you know, bear market, uh, the learning opportunity of the bear market, and so on. Mm. And she's still thinking that Bitcoin is uh, a Ponzi today. She listens to Warren Buffett and <laughs> invests in Berkshire Hathaway uh, stock, <laughs> which is like. She, she needs to, you know, come back to, you know, she was like, like Bitcoin is like electricity, right? So it's very useful technology. But when electricity was introduced, I think Michael Saylor also likes to talk about this. Many people were scared about it. They didn't understand it. People got injured with electricity. Uh, some people got killed with electricity. And today, they still do. They still do. And they still do. But, you know, today... I'd say maybe one in a thousand or sure. how many. I mean, people know usually that electricity is something that you don't, you don't put your, you know, sharp, uh, you know, metal <laughs> things, objects in your uh, electricity sockets and so on. So it's like um, they, they know how to use this technology. Bitcoin is like that. This is uh, this is very, very powerful, you know, machine that we are now, you know, starting to use. I mean, it's, it's messing with our uh, perception of time, you know. Uh, you basically, you have to understand, which is hard for people to, you know, when you are steeped into the fiat uh, system, fiat standard, you are basically, your perception of time is uh, warped, right? Yeah. You are unable to, I mean, you can fantasize about the, the future, but you are not, you cannot really 
like conceive and plan the future more than maybe a month or or a year in advance well a year is already a lot like most people really think about how they are going to you know move from month to month in the fiat standard yes. um, and uh, and with bitcoin like uh, <laughs> suddenly you you basically in the short term you have this very high volatility very high fluctuation of your purchasing power versus in the long term you are you are much more certain right you you are planning in this four year you know cycles of time like i for example i mean that's that's how i i when i start talking about people with people about what's going to happen in you know 2024 and then 2028 and then 2032 and then 2036 right ah we are going to have you know a nice you know architecture change in probably probably that you know four halvings away that's like uh, you know i don't know 12 12 16 years down the line they would like how can you i mean what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm talking about you know yeah. that's that's it's not like i'm pulling these numbers out of my ass it's 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 right. really like that so you can you can verify it yourself you can calculate you know <laughs> your, there's a your, sense of certainty right like the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the timeline horizon for fiat is is uncertain within six months exactly right like we don't know what's happening in the the acceleration of uncertainty has almost become exponential whereby not only are things continuing to be more uncertain they're getting more uncertain at a faster rate and yep. so there's no it's impossible to plan your life in a world where the uncertainty is accelerating and growing and uh you know when you talk about shoving a fork into an outlet it's like the equivalent of that is leverage buying 20 to 1 bitcoin and hoping to make yeah. a buck it's like yeah the likelihood is you're gonna get electrocuted like that you, and if you don't believe me go ahead i would advise against it but if the only way you will know for sure that that's the case um that that temptation is not worth doing is to try it then okay i hope you stay safe um <laughs> and the uh you know the the gold bug that that's a really interesting one because i've had I've only had probably two interactions with really hardcore gold bugs um, that were against Bitcoin. And I think the mistakes I made early on were to criticize gold, right? Like these people, because the way I look at it, I'm like, dude, this person's already 90% of Bitcoin. The last 10%, they're just not getting. And it's, you know, I want them to know. Um, and so I remember I started criticizing gold being like, well, what are your, what are your 10 year returns on gold? Like, if you correct for inflation, like they're not that impressive. Like, sure, you've maintained your purchasing power, but it's probably not better than the S&P 500 index. And compared to Bitcoin, it's it's zero. It's like a, a rounding error uh, on a 10 year horizon. And I think by Curtis, you know, I basically criticized their child and they immediately wrote me off. But, you know, with gold, it's like. I don't know, it's I, I, I get it. I get, I understand. And so my approach now, like the lesson I learned from those interactions are in future, if I had that interaction to do over again, the first thing I would ask is why is gold valuable? Why do you think gold is valuable? Um, why do you think inflation happens? Um, what is the utility of gold in future? If you, okay, you get to a point where like, I'm putting my, my, my wealth in gold because in five years, this these shit coins we call fiat are going to be worth way less and i want to have that gold available to use to buy things in future right like we're not keeping gold for the sake of gold we're keeping gold for the sake of being able to buy things with that gold in future 
how many people are going to accept a bar of gold? Like how, like what is the process of finding a buyer? And what if governments don't allow you to cash in gold? Like there's so many variables where it's like, okay, I understand why you're doing it. And I agree with all the principles of scarcity and sound money and being able to actually like, because I mean, with gold bugs, if they hold their own gold, they're holding their own keys. They're already on that boat too. And it is a hard, you know, those people are typically conservative um, because gold is just a conservative, reliable store of value. But, you know, it'll be interesting when, when people, when people experience pain and they realize the potential of Bitcoin as not only um, a store of value, but also a medium of exchange, which I, I think is not there with gold, unless you digitize it, in which case you're, you know, you're basically back to fiat. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The, the gold bugs can be hard ones to crack, but they're already Bitcoiners. They just don't know yet. And, and then that last 10% can be so hard because in order to stay in gold, you have to basically have, um, and the certainty is the weird thing, right? Like that person sounds like they were very certain Bitcoin doesn't work. And some people will be curious, right? If they meet a Bitcoiner, they'll be curious and be like, I don't know why you like Bitcoin. Like, I, you know, instead of saying, well, you must be stupid because gold is clearly the best, <laughs> the best way. It's like, I wonder what touch points that person needs to get in order to be open-minded that um, in a digital world, there is a superior alternative to a rock, a shiny rock, which has, you know, it clearly it has worked, but it hasn't been working that well. And the, I think the weird thing with gold is the manipulability of gold. Like gold should be worth way more, I think. And I think gold bugs even know that too, right? Like they've been, you know, yelling from the mountaintop for years saying like, get into gold, this system we've created is a mirage and the mirage will eventually be blown away. So like get safe. And so they've, you know, they've, they've been banging that drum for so long that for them to admit that there's a superior alternative um, is probably like a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but those are good conversations to have because you learn a lot. You learn, I learn a lot from, you know, I think what I learned a lot of times with people that have just written Bitcoin off is the danger of certainty. Like I'm just taking the perspective. I'm not certain about anything. Like I'm certain about gravity because every time I test it, 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 it tells me it's true. But I think a lot of times certainty can be dangerous and even certainty, you know, if we flip that around, like the certainty that Bitcoin is the solution to all problems and everything is going to be fine is also a slippery sense of certainty because it removes your need to continue to be informed and continue to sort of like deepen your understanding so that you're aware of uh, of things that could come up. Um, but yeah, boomers are boomers are tricky ones. Um, with that said, I mean, my mom, my mom gets it. My mom has Bitcoin. She has it in a um, in an ETF right now. And the goal was, you know, and that and even that was like, Okay, do I try and convince my mom to hold her own keys, which she is nowhere near like the 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 path to get her there is a very long one and will take a lot of work and she will probably have some anxiety around that that concept right. Or do I take this opportunity where she's willing to buy Bitcoin, but wants to do it in a way that makes sense to her get her in the ETF and then each year sell a little chunk of that ETF buy actual Bitcoin and learn how to hold their own keys with less risk. That's the path we chose and I think. What it allowed her to do is see number go up and build conviction during times when it goes down while she, you know, sort of wraps her head around the concept of being able to take ownership and sovereignty of her own wealth. And I think 
I think too often early in the days, I was like, if you don't hold your own keys, don't bother, don't bother buying Bitcoin. That was my approach. And I remember listening to a podcast by Michael Saylor, and he was like, you know what? Get people on a network by any means necessary. Obviously, be safe, right? Like, don't go through some shitcoin exchange um, and think it's okay to hold your keys on there when there's a risk. But, you know, I think there's probably more, there's, there's clearly more risk holding it in some sort of ETF or stock because of the whole system. Like, you're not actually, you don't actually own anything. Someone has a, an IOU to you that you have this amount of thing. If the whole machine collapses, then your stuff probably goes to dust. It is a risk. It's a, probably not like a, a, an existential risk yet. But if that gets people closer to the point of holding their own keys, I think that's probably good. And I think with the boomer generation, that is a, it might be a mandatory step, right? I don't know if people can go from nothing to shattering their entire framework of what, how, of what money is to taking full ownership and custody of their own wealth in some technology they don't fully understand. Like that, that could be a hard sell. Um, what are your thoughts on the idea that there maybe is a spectrum and anyone you get on the network, you know, with a while mitigating the significant risks is good. What are your thoughts on that versus like the really hardcore one where if you don't hold your keys, don't bother? Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's 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 very good question. I'm not sure that uh, uh, like everybody is going to be able to hold their own keys. But first of all, no, uh, like we are talking about Bitcoin in 2022, right? So the, the the majority of Bitcoin transactions are happening still on chain, right? So you are you, you have to have you know the the address, the UTXO, you have to send it, you have to you know know how to open the mempool and you know how to size your 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 mining fee uh, many people you know the majority of, of networks still had that doesn't transact in lightning right and even lightning still is not so it's easier it's getting easier but it's still very very early yes. and the idea that that everybody is going to hold their own money in uh, you know self custody is i think uh, wrong it's not going to happen that way um because um especially with with uh, boomer generation and uh, with the amount of wealth that some boomers have uh, yeah. like uh, i wouldn't take into possession that much uh, money because what if something you know, like what's going to happen with my you know heirs my offspring my you know yeah. uh, it's like you, you want to have this trust relationship with your custodian. Um, but I think that, uh, that uh, the, the nature of uh, Bitcoin custodianship is changing. It's, it's not like, like in the traditional uh, finance world, you have this big custodian that, that basically has all of the control. Like you are the owner, but they are in possession of, of your wealth. And you are completely, basically trusting them, and they are, you know, they are definitely good, reputable custodians uh, around. There are definitely some that uh, that you know are not uh, that are that are rehypothecating your wealth, that are um, you know probably going to collapse in this uh, you know time that we are uh, facing in the next couple of years, right? So. Uh, I think Bitcoin custodianship is changing because you have this idea of collaborative custody, right? Mm -hmm. You have uh, 
who is really like like I, I can offer uh, maybe uh, well none of my uh, orange pill group is at that point but I, I, one one guy is probably going to you know at some point in the future need probably my help to to set up a multi signature uh, you know wallet where I'm probably going to keep one key and he's going to keep two so two of three multisig which is um, you know a way for him to to still you know know that if he loses one that I can still help him you know um, retrieve uh, the coins or for example um, what would be a situation if someone dies and let's say they 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 basically have a will how they are going to track what are they going to do with with their coins so right. that's something that that's going to you know evolve uh as as the network uh evolves also you have this idea of uh, uh th this is something that fascinates me in the in the last uh, few few weeks that i kind of started listening to some podcasts with you know uh, projects like uh, Galloy, right? Bitcoin, Bitcoin Beach, uh, like community bank, mm -hmm. uh, or you know, in a later iteration, it's going to be like federated Shomian Mint, right? Yeah. So you basically have, I don't know, here on the island of Rab, I, I still don't see every single person, for example, uh, holding or let's say having their own Lightning uh, note running, right? Uh, they are not going to be. It simply, uh, it's it's not going to work out like that. But I can see, for example, a federated uh, Shomian Mint where there is like, I don't know, a couple of thousand people who are pooling their, their funds inside this mint, which is connected with other mints through lightning, uh, you know, uh, channel structure. And this, this mint may settle, uh, you know, their, their liquidity, uh, you know, on chain when they open or close channels with each other I, I simply don't see like in 10 years i don't see people making uh, on-chain lightning transaction the vast majority of them uh, on-chain bitcoin transactions vast right. majority of people will never see how that looks like so we are kind of in a very unique time of bitcoin yeah. adoption where we are yeah we are we know how to we know what's the private key most people won't really think about it like that they will have trusted but the uh, like when I when I speak with people who are no coiners, and they are all have and here here in Croatia, all of them have bank accounts. I'm I'm not living in a, in such a such a bad country where people bad like such a low low income country where people do not have bank accounts. Here people do have bank accounts, but you know their relationship with their bank is not really one of. Um, uh, they, they don't go into their bank to be, you know, to ask some advice on how to, you know, what to do with their money. They mostly just, uh, you know, <laughs> use their checking uh, accounts. They, they get constantly, you know, uh, marketed new uh, loan, you know, products yeah. and so on. So it's like, uh, like Bitcoiners now, uh, especially like orange pillars, uh, you know, hardcore maxes, you know, who are who are pushing this 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 charge forward. They are kind of becoming this new, you know, community bank, you know, yeah. people who are, who, who, yeah. But 
in, in traditional bank, usually, I mean, a banker could actually, like uh, in, in the gold era, like banker who had, a local banker who had uh, all the gold coins and gold bars stored in the bank and, you know, gave out certificates for it. He had tremendous amount of power um, because the gold in your bank is much more valuable than the gold in your in your house because you can it's very hard to transact with gold it's very hard to verify whether you you have a real gold or you have just a, a you know a, some mixture of tung- tungsten and gold and, and so on so the 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 trust with the old system was actually very valuable you had like bank banks had to have this this uh, for for gold standard to work you had to have gold in the bank versus with Bitcoin, you, you, you don't, right? You can always, like, like if you're ready for it, if you, if you feel like you, you, you can do it, I mean, it's still not so hard. Like it still really comes down to, to, to you know, memorizing 12 words, uh, push comes to shove. It's not, it's not so hard, but it's maybe it's, it's psychologically hard to, 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 to actually to, to do it. Uh, versus technically like i think te- technically speaking you can you can learn it pretty quickly it's uh, insane it, it it has gotten so much simpler yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard the spectrum of time is hard to place yourself back at certain times right like what was it like when i first started well it was it was insanely complex and like very intimidating um yeah. and the fact that i can show my mom how to boot up green wallet on her phone and write down 12 words and she can at a simple level understand that those 12 words are essentially as good as her bitcoin and serve as a backup if her phone gets destroyed like she can wrap her head around that she's not a technologist she's very she doesn't engage with technology that much but she's like okay that makes sense to me worded like that i know i must keep this piece of paper safe if i lose it and my phone gets destroyed it's gone no one's bailing me out and I think this whole idea that not very many people are going to fully hold their keys for their wealth, especially boomers. But I also think they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, right? Holding your keys versus not are not mutually exclusive. I think when someone trusts a custodian to hold some of their Bitcoin, they should also be engaging with the process of understanding how to hold their own keys with small amounts to experiment with, because you can make mistakes with small amounts. And that deepening the understanding and building the confidence is what allows you to say, okay, well, 10% of what I have with the custodian, I now feel comfortable holding myself, right? Like that, that was, it was intimidating. Now I understand it a bit better. I've engaged with the process of deepening my understanding. The technology landscape is so much more intuitive. If I can run a fucking node, anyone can run a node, right? Like it takes work, like it took effort and time and energy. And I, you have to feel it worthwhile enough to invest your time and energy into understanding something to a point where you're not going to shoot yourself in the foot in order to do that. But at the end of the day, the tech, and, and I think you're right, like where we where we get to where our boomers are all using Bitcoin is where they're using it without even understanding how it works. When we get to the point, like when I click an electrical switch, I'm not, I don't know what the fuck is going on. All I know is when I press this button, the light goes on. And people need to get to the point where they're like, when I press this button, money went to the person I wanted it to go to. When I receive money, I, I understand how to access it, right? Like when I send in, when people send emails, they're not thinking of TCP IP and what the protocol is and information packets. They're just like, I click a button, this thing magically shoots to someone else, they read it, boom, that's an email. 
it's going to there. It's getting to there. Every single day, there's shitloads of people around the world working out of self-interest to improve the user interface to make it easier for people to use. And the crazy thing that I sometimes it blows my mind is this idea that, okay, the the metaphor to the internet, I think, is useful. And I actually really like using the metaphor of email when I talk about public and private keys, right? Like you give someone your email, they can send you an email. They can't go into your inbox and read your emails. Um, and so your public key is like giving away your email address. Your private key is like your password to log into your email. Obviously, that's a very simplistic metaphor, but I think some people can kind of get that, right? They're like, well, okay, don't give my password, give my email to people who I want to receive emails from. It kind of makes sense. The idea that the internet is a good metaphor for Bitcoin because they're both like the internet is a technology is a communication network that's global, permissionless, anyone can use it. Bitcoin is a global monetary network. The idea that if we have the opportunity to buy a piece of the internet when the internet started, not an internet company, a piece of the internet such that the more people who use the internet, the more your piece of the internet is worth. Like I always read Antonopoulos's book. Uh, the Internet of Money, and, and I never really grasped the, the, the depth of that statement, but it is not money for the Internet. It is the Internet of Money. And that to me is so insane and really hits home the value proposition that owning a piece of the, the monetary network for the next that will that can potentially last the net for perpetually. is pretty valuable, you know, if, if people are ready to hear that and can kind of start to wrap their head around it. I've, I've told people that before and they're like, whoa, whoa. And it's like, yeah, I think that too sometimes because it is pretty insane that we live in a time where you can buy a piece of the internet in any amount uh, for so cheap or the internet of money rather. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a crazy thing. And I, I think when technology and techno like every time I go in and try and look at the new apps that are out there, it's it continually amazes me how much easier to use things things are, even mobile wallets. Um, and the idea that our relationship, I mean, the thing that makes me most bullish on Bitcoin is every single time I have an interaction with a legacy bank, literally, I'm like, this is the bar. This is how low the bar is in the world of the internet. I can't touch my money for five business days because people don't want to work on weekends. And like, it's so odd, right? And I think the bank of the future is an education hub where Bitcoiners can not necessarily you know, the old bank, there was value in holding the gold because in order to have velocity of money and actually spend money, it's just so incredibly inefficient and friction filled if you're trying to transact in gold. So they're what like and I, I also think it's important to mention that, like saying gold no longer is the best thing to use doesn't negate the fact that gold was incredibly important and served its role very well. Right. Like saying gold is no longer the best option isn't saying gold's a bag of shit. We shouldn't have used it. It's like it was the best thing until now, until until the white paper came out. Then it fundamentally changed the landscape. And obviously, Bitcoin's still a teenager, so it hasn't proven itself yet. But the bank of the future and, and the. The role of helping people de-risk taking custody of their Bitcoin, I think, is really someone like a multi-sig administrator where you, as an administrator, you are essentially an educator that helps individuals de-risk custodying their Bitcoin. You're not necessarily holding their thing and they need to ask permission to have it because then you become the attack vector. But the idea of, okay, three people having, let's call it passwords for lack of a better word, 
two of those three having to come together, put their passwords together for a transaction to happen, you essentially create, instead of like a credit union, you create a Bitcoin union. And people come to you and they they come there for education, right? It's like, a, if you're not going there to just have a service provider, you're going there to learn how to serve yourself and take and keep your Bitcoin safe. And I think that the idea of that fundamentally changing what people acknowledge as a bank, um, I think is going to be really cool. And I think this is where the generation of Bitcoiners now, the gener especially orange pillars, like you can put yourself as a resident in a in a Bitcoin hub and as an orange pillar, provide a service that delivers people value to help them better understand Bitcoin. And if it's a value to them, then they pay you whatever it's worth. I think that is such a different world, but I, I, I kind of see that's where things are going. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that um, yeah, the first of all, you know, the, when the, the, the nature of trust is going to change. I mean, it's changing right now amongst big Bitcoiners. For example, uh, when I when I meet, which is not, you know, a frequent occurrence. When I but when I meet someone who is a Bitcoin maximalist, right? Who is really, you know, he's a hardcore guy. I mean, how do you define that? How do you just to put a pin in that? How do you define Bitcoin maximalist? Because that's another one that's subjective. Well, uh, we. Just, uh, we I just organized a couple of a uh, couple of weekends ago, uh, so that I think three weeks ago, I had um, we we made a meetup here in Rab, uh, and basically, yeah, 12, 15 maxes showed up. Dude, that's from, that's uh, insanely good. For, for yeah, <laughs> not from just from Croatia, Croatia, Serbia, uh, Macedonia. Cool. We had some uh, some people who. Who are uh, who basically ran away from from Germany and Austria during the COVID uh, you know uh, dictatorship uh, period, um, so they were here already, and we had at least let's say twenty five people uh, with their kids uh, you know over the weekend here in Rab. So this is like these people are really you know people I trust, even though my I mean the time I spent with them is not. It's not like uh, it's not like my, uh, you know, elementary school friend that I know for I don't know twenty five years. Sure. Like these people get it, uh, and I I know I can trust them. I know, for example, if something happens to me, that um, maybe my family can can uh, can get in touch with with some of them to help them retrieve maybe my you know my cold storage setup or or. Yeah. You know, whatever. Like, um, it's like your own federation, think, almost. Yeah, yeah. I think that Bitcoin is actually providing better trust, uh, better ability to trust people, because the 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 like the base layer is trustless, right? So, like, like with with the gold banker, uh, you are kind of have you have to trust him. You you kind of like he holds too. It, a lot of power over you because yeah, it's out of balance. Uh, it's, out yeah, of balance. it's out of balance. And here, if you are like, um, if you are a Bitcoiner who is uh, who is uh, not trustworthy, or you are willing to like uh, lose your your integrity, like there's nothing much to gain because um, like, and there's a lot to lose. 
So the kind of this trust dynamic is, is, is very different uh, with Bitcoin. And that's solely because of the ability of people to take Bitcoin into their own uh, custody, into their own possession very, very easily and cheaply uh, versus gold, right? And, right. And, and still you can transact with Bitcoin without your trusted third party. This is why trusted third parties can actually, um, your relationship with them can be much healthier, right? So it's... Um, and, I, and still, I think that that uh, the the opportunity for 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 Bitcoin, like for creating, um, let's say you live in a local, uh, you know, a local community place. I, I mean, I live in a very small, like uh, Rab is like a couple of thousand people uh, community, right? Uh, hopefully growing over time, but it's still very, very small. It's not like a, a big city. Uh, but if you are, let's say maybe you are living in a neighborhood, even though like... In cities, in big cities, in, in this fiat standard, like your neighborhood, you don't really know your neighbors, right? I mean, or you do know, but it's like, uh, it depends, again, where you are living. Are you in some suburb or or more in uh, like downtown or whatnot? But usually people, many people live together kind of in close proximity to each other, but they don't really know each other so well. And I think Bitcoin is going to change that as, as well, because yeah. um, you will have this small communities formed where uh, it's it's simply more efficient to have. Um, I'm, I'm keep, I keep coming up back to this Galloway and community banking and federated Shomian mints uh, idea, where you have instead of having you running your own, I mean you are running your own Lightning node, for example, but if you can piggyback 100 people more onto your node and allow them to use you know your your liquidity your connectivity with others so that you know you have less friction with with daily you know using using bitcoin for paying for your you know groceries and things like that that's going to be very valuable and this this small communities we are in earliest stages of that like uh, if if like Bitcoin is in Bitcoin on-chain network in 2022, Bitcoin Lightning Network is maybe like in Bitcoin in 2013, right? right. So it's still very 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 early, uh, sprawling. But you can see you can see the structure, you know, growing, and uh, you can see these relationships uh, being formed in real time, uh, and um, and that all of that is going to simply produce a world where it's just um you know people live people will live much 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 more uh, fulfilled lives simply simply because they will they will have lower time preference they will of course not over you know overnight over time right i still think that the best way to 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 basically uh, get bitcoin is just through time right um I know for myself when I was uh, in 2014 when I when I bought my first uh, you know couple of bucks worth of Bitcoin. Even if someone came to me and really you know tried to kind of you know fill my head with much more knowledge about it, I still couldn't. I mean, it's it you're you're asking too you're much. Not ready for I it? Still yet, haven't experienced right? you know. Yeah, I still haven't experienced this 
you know, you, you are talking about this huge, you know, appreciation in purchasing power and, and whatnot. And I still just, I just bought my first 20, $20 <laughs> slot of Bitcoin, you know, in yeah. July, 2014. I still cannot get it in August, 2014. If, if the best, you know, possible, like Michael Saylor or whoever literally sat with me and explained everything to me. Yeah. I would maybe increase my position by some, something, but then I, if, when, when he would left, leave, I would still like lose conviction and I'm still get, I would still get scared if the price would drop too much. So still you have to have time, right? You have, the time has to pass. Hmm. Uh, and every day that the Bitcoin is not going away is a, is a day that you, your, your understanding, your conviction, your comfort level is increasing, you know? So, so it's like, like our generation of like this or generation of orange pillars, most of us, I don't know anybody except maybe Michael Saylor and guys like that who are, who got it so quickly, but maybe Michael Saylor got it. uh, But he still had this, you know, phase in 2013, I think, where he dismissed Bitcoin and Mm -hmm. he's, like maybe he used this, 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 this uh, situation that he had plus his vast business, uh, you know, experience to really grasp uh, what Bitcoin is, and he had the catalyst of uh, of uh, you know, Corona, you know, market crash, and and seeing uh, what the governments around the world did in response to that, you know, printed. He like, experienced pain. He experienced, experienced pain. Existential pain. Of exactly. his company potentially not surviving. And exactly. so, I mean, the thing with Michael Saylor is his job, the only thing he needed to do in his life was to understand, the, was to try and find a solution to the existential problem he faced with his company. So, back to the thing, it's like all action is determined by pain. He experienced unimaginable socioeconomic pain as the CEO of a company and devoted his life energy to understanding this thing. And obviously he had the perfect foundation because he was a technologist, he understood the mobile wave. So he was like kind of like in the perfect position. But I think what you're saying is so important where we like to think we can just, as orange pillars, we can, I think we can probably help people understand Bitcoin faster than we did potentially, right? Like we all wanna be the kind of person we wish we had when we started learning about Bitcoin. But you can't escape the temporal element that it takes time to digest Bitcoin. It takes, you know, listening to podcasts, reading material, having conversations, testing your objections, hearing people's objections. Like these things are not, you can't skip over that, right? It's like, it's an, it's a mandatory rite of passage, which still has some variety, variation in how long that takes. But at the end of the day, there is no circumventing the temporal element. Like you don't go from no understanding to your whole life savings of Bitcoin. You just don't, unless you experience a mountain of pain, unless you live in Turkey, Venezuela, El Salvador, whatever. And I think the idea that it is going to take time and Bitcoiners have a low time reference, luckily, um, is a good thing. And you're right. I think I think we we love this romantic notion that trust no longer is needed in society, right? With Bitcoin, it's trustless. Don't trust verify. I I don't think that's I don't even think that's something that we should try and get towards because I think trust is a fundamental human element. But like you said, the nature of trust is changing for the better, where it's not absolute trust. It's not binary anymore, right? It's I get to, to based on me understanding things, I get to determine how much trust I put in someone. 
And I've also developed better strategies to determine who is trustworthy. And I think the really cool thing that you said is like this whole notion that you might not know when you meet a Bitcoin maxi and, and you know, a 30 minute conversation to kind of like test like who they are, what they're about, what is their knowledge. It's almost like being a Bitcoin maximalist or a sound money maximalist is a proxy for understanding someone way deeper than just the superficial, hello, how are you? You know, it's, it's like, I mean, this is probably a bad example because I don't actually think this is a valid proxy anymore, but like I go to a doctor that has a degree in medicine. That is my proxy to prove that this guy is, or girl is actually a doctor and I can listen to them, right? So like there's some sort of vetting proxy that's there. I don't think that says anything about their understanding of health, but aside from that, being a Bitcoin maxi is a proxy to, oh, you've done the work. You understand, you, you've put it, being a Bitcoin maxi is proof of work that you understand a lot of shit about the world and you're probably someone worth hanging out with. That's my, that at least, you know, that might be a weird way of putting it, but that's my sense of things. When I meet a maxi, it's like, I might know you better than I know some of my good friends because I know a lot of things about how you view the world and why you view the world that way. And that's a special thing. It's like, to me, Bitcoin maxis that love talking about Bitcoin and have the time to do so are like unicorns. When you find a unicorn, you're like, I got to make sure I keep talking about that unicorn because I don't know when I'll come across another one. And I think that this is really the impetus of this, of this, uh, these conversations, right? Orange pillars. It's like, if hopefully there's two orange pillars out there that are listening to this and are like, yeah, we could have a conversation too. And we put all the conversations in one place and people understand that the stewards of whatever value comes in that the world is getting for these conversations being put to good use. I think we're going to get a lot of good collective insights from just having these conversations. And uh, that's a really good meetup turnout. Like how long, so I think organizing meetups is like, a, is a, it it's another low time preference thing, right? Like someone that organizes a meetup puts a shitload of energy to promoting it and three people show up. They can either look at that as, okay, well, this is a start, or they can look at it as there's not enough interest. I'm just not gonna do this anymore. So, you know, what was the work involved? What are the lessons you learned in organizing a meetup that you could hand over to another orange pillar so that they can be successful at gathering people for a meetup? What, what would you say are the big challenges and, um, and how did the meetup go? Like, how long was it? What'd you talk about? Uh, I'm very curious. Yeah, it, it was it was a weekend uh, weekend uh, meetup. Uh, well, to be fair, I had uh, a huge Bitcoiner Gigi uh, helping me out. <laughs> nice. He's he's here as well in in Rab, you know, uh, you know, he's in a secret island. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, he has. I mean, they like he pushed me uh, a bit to 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 do this um to you know organize it and um and have some bitcoiners that i have been talking uh with you know for some time you know simply meet in in meet space uh meet live because that's that's completely you know it's it's different right you know you know it for sure um and um so we had yeah we had a weekend here you know saturday sunday uh we we roasted the lamb <laughs> uh you know had you know had a blast uh you know grilled some meat and and so on had a had a a walk next day uh breakfast you know with it's, it's like just a weekend so we didn't really have so much time to 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 really experience everything that uh you can do here because you can 
you can go you know fishing hiking uh, you know you can ride a, a kayak or you know whatever just uh, or visit you know the 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 sheep herds and you know there's there's a lot of things that you can do um here but um Funny, yeah, everything you just said seems they <laughs> seem like activities that are big big corners yeah. would like you know you tell you first yeah yeah definitely it's like, be like fuck that the corners like yeah that's a food source i want to meet that person <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely definitely and then um and then it's amazing because you like um like this uh people who live here right so they they now have this um like this new kind of uh uh, kind of uh, tourist market, so to speak, Bitcoiners who yeah. they, exp- they what they see is people who are you know <laughs> who who are pretty generous. First of all, like they um, like Bitcoiners are uh, are not uh, you know cheap really, uh, and that's I also I also noticed that uh, that this is something that helps that helps me with with the orange peeling like people like people see that i'm not like i'm not faced with the with you know this huge you know it, it's inflation it's oh my god what's happening what's going on i and, and i and i tell them they, they they see that i you know that i can afford you know uh, nice nice cuts of meat for example or uh you know that i my family's just not not uh, you know we don't feel the 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 pinch yeah. of the of the financial situation and many people do even though even if they have like uh, maybe they have uh, real estate uh, you know maybe they have a couple of houses but they have mortgages on them they have they have uh, they have this uh, loans that are pressing on them and the, the interest rates are going up so they are stressed right so but they see you and uh, you know and it's life is life is going kind of well for you and then i and then when i say well listen like you are experiencing prices going up but frankly i'm experiencing since since cor- uh, corona crash i'm experiencing prices going down like 5x for me even with the bitcoin crash like uh, there like March 2020, uh, Bitcoin crash in Corona crash was like in low 4,000s, you know, for a couple of days, right? right? And if you if you were buying Bitcoin then, then you 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 are you're up very much. Everything is getting then. cheaper. <laughs> Everything is getting cheaper for you. The gas is getting cheaper. The the food is getting cheaper. The housing is getting cheaper. Clothing. Everything is getting cheaper for you you're able to buy more and higher quality stuff for for less basically and uh, and people notice that like uh people people they, they they see they they and then when you say well you can i can thank bitcoin for that not i, I couldn't do that with, with you know with traditional fiat uh instruments i mean i could get into debt and try to pretend that i can afford this new car but it's not like uh, you cannot really afford it, right? Uh, if if this car is keeping you up at night, uh, and the price of gas is going up, and uh, you know you have your payments to pay, and you have your uh, you, your your job is not maybe so you know 
you are not so sure if you are going to to to, to have a job, you know, uh, yeah. if if the recession really hits. And now you have this guy who is like, uh, you know, cheering people up. You know, he's very optimistic. He's talking about, you know, this bright orange future. And then they, they, it's easy, it's easier than to to for them to, you know, get, to, you know, get why they should also start saving in in, in Bitcoin. Well, they so, have to make sense of that, right? Like that yeah. to them when they hear that and see and more. I think hearing it is one thing, seeing it, witnessing exactly. it on a repeated basis, uh, is a totally other thing. They must reconcile that. They must make sense of this makes no sense to me. How the fuck is this guy able to be so calm and, and say that his purchasing power is going up? Like this doesn't make sense. And I think that confusion is an impetus to understand, right? And that's where like more questions come or more self-directed research come where it's like, what is this Bitcoin thing? You know, like like those are powerful nudges, uh, powerful touch points to kind of build the touch point repository that then hits a critical threshold to where people actually want to take action. Yeah. And in times of great pain um, lies great opportunity because every pain point of, and the, you know, I do my best. I've, I've been around people, friends and family that complain a lot. And, you know, they, I don't think they're self-aware enough to realize how much they complain, but I made a pact with myself. I'm like, I'm never going to complain about shit. There's enough people complaining about stuff. And once you sort of make that, packed with yourself, you get really good at identifying when people are complaining because you have to identify in yourself in order not to do it. And I've seen it as like this windfall of opportunities where every time someone complains about prices, every time someone complains about something socioeconomically is an opportunity to ask them more questions to determine like, how well did they understand that pain point? How well did they understand why gas is more expensive? Why food is more expensive? Why all these things. And it really, without ever even saying the word Bitcoin, you know, you, you often get them to really go down to like, oh, that's what they think it is, which it really isn't. Let's see if we can get them to go a bit lower so they can start to understand that the money is the root of all this stuff. And it doesn't have to be that anymore. Like there's, okay, the, they come to the realization that the money's the problem. And then there's a really good opportunity to say, well, well Bitcoin solved that problem. And if you want to understand it or hear my perspective, I'm, I'm willing to share it. But I think, yeah, in times of great pain, it's like, especially socioeconomic pain, which I don't think is going to end and may actually accelerate, unfortunately. Like, it, I wish we weren't in this situation, even as a Bitcoiner. Like, I wish there wasn't massive suffering and pain that's, that, that will result from all the fuckery that we did with the fiat system for so long. But I think at this point, it's inevitable. The world that we have is, is, is turning, is going to get nastier before it gets better. But we have this alternate world. And every conversation you have about Bitcoin is essentially building a bridge to invite people to this better world like you said, where you can just be calm, even as the world is imploding. I mean, that's a bit extreme, but you know, the deeper you understand it, the more you, the more obvious you see the implosion, um, you have this sense of hope where you can be happy knowing that there is an alternate um, experience you can have in the world. And, and it's like the ultimate game, right? Like how many people, if, if, if life is a game to be played and enjoyed, and the game right now is how can and you find motivation in playing the game with the rule of how can I bring as many people from a place of suffering to a, pl a place of flourishing? Um, then orange pilling is the ultimate game and it's uh, it, it's fun. And I, I think you're so right where like every every time you hear someone 
have a problem that they've misdiagnosed gives you a chance to get better at helping people understand how to truly accurately diagnose the problem and then take action to solve it. Right. And, uh, there's lots of orange pilling opportunities in the, in the coming years, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> definitely a lot. So yeah, I, I think also that, uh, yeah, the, 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 the economic suffering is going to, you know, increase, uh, but, uh, you know, like, um, <laughs> all of this suffering is going to transform itself. Like, yeah. again, like your, your Zen master, I used to, I used to spend so many, so many hours listening to Thich Nhat Hanh. And he, he likes to say that like, um, uh, like, uh, how, like the, the suffering, no mud, no lotus. So yes. If you want lotus flower, which is beautiful and fragrant, there is a mud basically that's not so pleasant, but basically lotus flowers grow out of, of mud. Yes. So our happiness is growing out of our suffering. So so I don't think that even you know some people just they, they just have to go through the suffering. I had to go through many suffering and, and still will have to go through, through many sufferings to actually experience happiness, right? Um so and I mean, some would say happiness is making meaning out of suffering right like the yeah definitely. the um i think Thich Nhat Han, that's from him as well where it's like the goal is not to suffer the goal is to create meaning out of suffering and to suffer well that's that's the yeah, big thing to suffer well to yeah. learn how to suffer well and how to transform suffering right yes. because literally suffering is like uh it's like a fertilizer right so if you if you don't know what to do with it like you are just going to get swamped with uh, with the stink but if you know what to do with it, you you kind of you can transform it into you know fruit, right? Yes. Uh, it's it's all everything is uh, just you know energy, right? So basically, uh, now learning how to do it uh, is is another thing. There is uh, you know it's simple, like yeah, just become aware of your breathing, uh, just you know start uh, you know converting some of your your money that you are making into Bitcoin, you know and chill out don't you know just take your time uh and you know this is like um you know people are just um i mean we are li really living in a very interesting time uh, time of 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 change, I I mean, change <laughs> it was always changing but now we, with internet we are kind of we can we can see this change all around the world i mean i i didn't go much far in the last two years uh, from here but i saw like uh, many different crazy things happening around the world with, with other people and this is what you were talking about this collective kind of uh, consciousness this uh, this idea and, and we we now talking with each other uh is is, is marvelous it's 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 just amazing like uh like it's, it's the fact it's, that we so, can do this is magic yeah like the fact that yeah it's, it's, it really <laughs> is magic right yeah and we and uh, as a civilization actually we have come so far so like uh, if we just take a look at I, like i'm sitting here in my in my office and just taking a look at every single little piece of 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 thing it's like a marvelous thing just this pencil it's, it's so like when you just think about it a little bit how many people how many you know engineering hours how many you know transport logistics someone had to you know mine the, the 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 metal out of the ground smelt it you know transport it somewhere design this pen co connect it together bring it here then then you just 
you know, my laptop here, my phone, my, 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 my watch, everything. Uh, it's just so crazy how, how, you know, marvelous the world can be. And then, um, yeah, we, we are kind of like, I really truly believe that humanity is really kind of awakening in a much, much higher state uh, at, at the moment. And this process is basically accelerating. And uh, in, in 10 years, we are going to like a blink, blink an eye and probably we, I mean, maybe I'm really going crazy, but I think we are going to be able to, to do well, I'm not going to go there too much, but I think we will become so so powerful as um, as a species uh, that uh, yeah I, I don't know I don't know what to say it's it's like we are growing up very very quickly uh, yes. especially and, and Bitcoin is massive catalyst in this because literally we are using like we are using money that's basically representation of of of, of energy energy money it's like it's like you are you you can imagine you know transferring converted massive amounts of 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 energy from one person to another right in this metaphysical space it's it's crazy it's like uh and and i know many i, I love when bitcoiners go go deep uh, you know i love <laughs> bitcoiners can get very cosmic very quickly yeah. so i love that as well but then I also love when when you can like just speak very very simple simple language. Like um, I have some people here that that are very simple, you know. Um, and there's an elegance to simplicity. Simple. Also, there's yeah. an elegance to that where like I exactly. aspire to live a more simple life because in today's world it's very easy whether you intentionally do it or not to get roped yeah. into a life of complexity. It is a complex world. Exactly. And I think our biology is designed for simplicity. And so the pursuit of health is actually the pursuit of simpler, natural um, yeah. living. But yeah, I, and even the pencil thing you said, it's like, it's incredible that we were able to coordinate at scale globally to yeah. create that pencil, let alone computer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we did that with a shitty tool for exactly. trade. We exactly. did it with the best tool we had, but the exactly. tool is inferior. Now that we have a better tool, it's it's almost hard to fathom yeah um like we suck at exponential thinking we know that humans are linear thinkers yeah. when you ask someone you know if you folded a piece of paper 50 times how <laughs> high would the stack yeah. be and they're like oh maybe like a meter it's like actually it's the distance to the sun it's like we suck at exponential thinking but this whole idea that we have the we have perfected a tool that facilitates trade which is money so if we can make pencils if you can get a pencil from china Yep. for a dollar with a shitty trade tool now that we have the ultimate tool for trade what are we going to be able to do and I, I think there's a fundamental disconnect when i have conversations with people and you and you start to talk about these you know like zoomed out things and, and zoom into the future and sort of like do these thought experiments of like wow i wonder what's possible with this technology there's often a disconnect with people who don't understand it because they're like are you they're like that's a crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That person's uh, naively optimistic. Uh, yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. Like the world is burning. What are you talking about? It's like, well, yeah, but focus on the good things because it's yeah. like lower your time preference, zoom out, find something meaningful to learn about. And you end up seeing that all of the suffering today now has a context because without context, it just sucks. 
Yeah. But when you have a context to say this is needed to go to the next, to get to the next world, like this is, there must be massive suffering to induce enough pain that people have a need to understand the better system. That that people like we need pushes so that people get pushed yep. towards doing the work to understand the thing that brings us to a better world. So it's all about like like you said, without the mud, there's no lotus. Without this suffering, we cannot get to a Bitcoin world. And so the now it's like the mental shift of the more suffering I witness, the quicker I know we're getting to the place. Um, yep. And the more I find purpose in helping us get there, because the sooner someone can understand this and begin their journey, which takes time, doesn't happen overnight, the the more they can emanate that in their own network, the more they can, the quicker they can become a node to emanate this positive message of empowerment um, that is accessible to everyone. I think that's the the that is the most important thing for me. I think is this idea that no one is excluded from accessing this. The only thing yeah. that excludes you is the unwillingness to learn about it. And it's like the most beautiful channel for personal for personal responsibility. I think health is the ultimate one because I think, um, you know, I consider my full time job, my sole motivator and purpose in life is to like, my job is health is to be healthy, which allows me to do all the things I love to do and hopefully leave the world in a better place than when I found it. But yeah, I think the positivity, the, the giving context to the suffering, knowing what, how much, how hopeful the future is, is like, it would be hard for me to really live a, a fulfilling life right now if it wasn't for Bitcoin. I think about that often because like what, I, I don't know what I would be looking forward to in, in today's world or how I would contextualize the suffering, maybe in the direction of health, but like, it's pretty, it's a pretty special time for us to be alive right now. Like no one else will live in a time like this. This is the probably the craziest time ever because of technology and because of this confluence of the perfect storm of so many things having to be turned over in such a short period of time that it's going to be chaotic, but it's also going to get us to the best world we've ever lived in faster than ever before. Like the transitioning is happening so quick because the velocity created by technology is 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 overwhelming, right? Like. It's like going five G's in a jet. Like you might pass out and get fucked up because it's so intense. But if you knew you're getting somewhere awesome at warp speed, then it makes it worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm I'm really interested. Uh, so, um, you, uh, what would you what would you say to someone? My father is like uh, health wise, he's not in a very very good position. Like, but. On the other hand, like he spent so many years, uh, you know, with uh, you know uh, his uh, obesity problem, and he has many, you know, layers of uh, psychology around it and so on. But what would be like maybe uh, an advice or maybe some tips, simple, actionable? What can we do to improve our our health generally? But not too much to do immediately because you know you can always start with massive, you know, uh, plans and so on, and then, you know, get disappointed when you cannot stick to it. But what's like, what do you do, you know, that's, that's improving your, your, your health, uh, that you can share. And I, and my, my, my family can start like implementing in our, in our lives to, to up the health game. Yeah. I think, um, 
So the health network I work for, one of the what we do is we build digital tools that empower people to restore excellent health. So we don't tell them what to do. We build tools that help, and the tools are built to provide to embody three things, which I have found. And you know, I work with 180 people around the world that are all obsessed with health. We share our stories, we get collective insights, we put together this collective intelligence into a a 360 day commitment where like one hour a day for 360 days, you commit mm -hmm. that energy to working on the process of understanding health and making changes, mm -hmm. small changes. And the three things, you know, like myself, and then we have a, um, a program director, and we basically mm -hmm. are the ones that are designing this thing. We, we evolve it each year. The three things that I've found to be most important for health are commitment, clarity, and community. With without any of those, those are like fundamental elements. If you don't have those, it's really hard to make meaningful progress. So what I would say to someone who wants to, who is motivated, it starts with a motivation to improve your health and a mindset shift of going from victim where, you know, the world is happening to me and my, I can't do anything about my health. It's just, you know, it is what it is to from victim to hero. And that shift comes from, I am responsible for my health. I am capable of making changes. Now I have to embark with the process of figuring out what the what to do, right? So it starts with commitment, then you need clarity of like, what are things I can actually do? Um, and I think a really important one that people often underestimate and, and, it, and it lacks, and it's the hardest one to nail is community, right? Who around you is supporting you to witness what you're doing? Because if you don't, if no one witnesses you doing something, it carries no meaning and the way changes create meaning is if someone is witnessing you do that. And, and conversely, you witnessing and supporting someone else making changes. So I think community is really important. What I, the starting point in this 360 day experience is, what does health mean to you? How do you define health? What would success at being healthy look like? Because no one actually starts with that. And the fact that they don't have a concise personal definition, and no one can define it for you, you must, def you must determine your own definition. If you start by defining health and then you say, okay, I'm going to commit 15 minutes tomorrow to doing something that will improve my health. Mm -hmm. And I often tell people to start with a walk. A 15 minute walk with no technology is what everyone can do tomorrow. And that is like the first block they mine of health in their blockchain of health, mm -hmm. which is the, the ongoing process of figuring out how to take better care of yourself and make changes. So I would say just have a conversation about how do you define health, share your definition, receive his, have a conversation about it and say, what's one thing that you're um, willing and able to do and that I can keep you accountable to? Because the, the community piece, the important part there is if you tell someone you're going to do something and you know that they will ask if you did it, you're way more likely to do it. So, and start incredibly small. And, and you know, I think one of the, one of the biggest enhancers, a, a simple tool that anyone can make is buy a calendar specifically for health. Every day you show up and do something to work on your health, um, you put an X on the calendar. And, and at the start, it's like hard to constantly, to, it's hard to remember to do it. So put that calendar somewhere where you cannot help but see it every day, on your pillow, on the toilet, whatever. Um, and when you string them together, it goes from the work is to string, to show up each day, to then just not break the chain. And the bigger your chain is, the less you wanna break it. 
And, and that is almost like a behavior design piece that's incredibly simple that gets you liftoff, right? It's like, it's like going into space. Liftoff takes the most energy. It's so hard to fight against the atmospheric pressure. Like the world is designed around disease, basically. Um, once you reach orbit, it's easy because the yeah. work you've done to get there gives you a base understanding for how to continue the process. And if you view it as a process, you know, I think just to tie this up, the, the one thing that's beneficial about defining health um, is that most people define health as a state. So they see a picture of someone who's fit and like no fat, and they're like, that's health. I can't fucking get there. I'm so far from that. So if you define it as a state, it becomes almost unattainable and not even worth approaching because you're never going to get there. Whereas if you view health as, as a process, then showing up to go on a 15 minute walk tomorrow means you're healthy that day, right? Regardless of your state, doesn't matter. You haven't lost any weight, whatever. You're healthy because you've taken an action step. And I think putting your motivation on the act of doing something instead of this, of being in a state means that it's um, a much more enjoyable process. And, you know, in this, in this experience that we've designed, we, it's actually a lot based on Bitcoin. Layer one is a lesson taught by teachers. Layer two is conversations by people who have gone through the initiation. And there's a proof of work element, which mm -hmm. is the first day you start this, you start a logbook. Every day you write something in there. I don't even, it doesn't even matter if you just write, I wrote something today, but that is your proof of work that you showed up in your health process. And, you know, we've been doing this for, this is the fifth, fourth year, I think, of this project of how do we create a digital tool that helps people be healthy without telling them what to do, but just empowering them with some fundamentals um, so that they feel empowered, right? And, and, and putting them in, in pods of people who are doing it together and engage with each other, I think is the most important thing. Like we partner people up with someone, a learning partner who's at a similar stage, has similar aspirations. We put them in a pod of you know anywhere from like four to 10 people that have a digital platform to communicate. And they go through this. And at the end of the year, like, you know, a lot of people that go through that are actually health professionals. And for them, it's not a, actually a, a journey of learning. It's a journey of unlearning. Yeah. Because you have to unlearn all the bullshit disease care that you've been programmed and start to learn health. And really what we're creating is by the end of that, if you're a health professional, you might not have a degree, but you have this logbook this proof of work that you're actually capable of helping others with their health because you took the initiatory process to gain a better, broader understanding of health so you can be a healthy human. So yeah, the two things are define health and do something to pick something that you can do tomorrow um, and just continue the streak, right? Continue like, you know, a block every 10 minutes, a health block every day, just string them together and don't stop that thing from ticking. And it doesn't matter what you do, just do something and put yourself around people who will help witness what you're doing, create meaning in it and support you when it gets hard. Cause it will get hard. There will be challenges where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore or, or I don't know what to do. And um, yeah, so I, I, it's funny. I see so many parallels in the journey of health and Bitcoin where it's mostly misunderstandings that stop people from taking action. Yeah. And once they have clarity and they've actually made a commitment that this thing is important enough to work on, um, it actually is, I think health done right requires no discipline. That's a weird thing to say, but, um, maybe not no discipline, but minimal discipline. You don't have to force yourself to show up to do something you actually truly want to do. Yeah. And if you don't want to do it, why don't like most people who don't feel good, don't want to not feel good. 
like there's a weird disconnect, right? Like someone who is overweight doesn't want to be overweight. Most of the time they fundamentally know what they need to do to not be overweight. That's the other interesting thing. They're just not able to put that knowledge into action because they don't have clarity on what the path forward is. And, and the fact that you have to start incredibly small in order for these behaviors to actually be repeatable. And the goal is to repeat the behaviors. The goal is not to do the thing. The goal is to repeat the behaviors to get to the place that you will never reach because it's a lifelong process, but that you aspire to get to. And, and that's why it's so important to start by defining where is that place I want to get to? Cause everyone, it will be different for everyone, right? Like for some people it might be, I want to be able to play with my grandkids when I'm 90. Therefore I need to be able to move. I need to be able to, you know, not be in terrible shape. So what do I need to do to do that? Well, I just need to move tomorrow and that's it. And then as you feel calling to it, you do more or you go deeper or you learn more about certain, um, elements of health and we divide health into six pillars is our mental model. So it's movement, sleep, food, the mind, community, and money. Money is a pillar of health. We teach Bitcoin. And so we're, I mean, that's my access. That's my outlet for orange pilling people is we have people going through this program that come to it for health and they end up, you know, I personally think Bitcoin is the key to health because when you have a lower time preference mindset, you can take a lower time preference with your health, which is the only way to actually achieve health is by doing it gradually over time, long-term. It's not about what I do today. It's what I've done, what I do each day. Um, and it's just a, a, a journey of playful exploration. It is not, doesn't have to necessarily be insanely hard drudgery or, or crazy work. It has to be something you fundamentally enjoy. And I don't, I think most people in the health realm are there claiming that they are the solution to your health problem. That's the problem is it, it and if you've been told that enough times and that's yes. been reinforced, then the mindset underneath that is that I cannot ever take ownership. I must rely on others who know the solution to my problems. It's kind of the same with money, right? Like you don't know how to, how money works. So you need to come to me, pay me and I'll put your money somewhere. And that's the way you should do it. When in reality, it's like our mission at the Foot Collective, this health network is empower people to reclaim responsibility for their health. And I, that is like drilled into everything we do. And if, if we're, if an opportunity comes up and it doesn't align with that, we don't do it. And so all the tools we build are to empower people to, to uh, build confidence, um, to undergo the hero's journey and succeed on their quest to restore excellent health. Um, so that was probably a way longer answer than it need to be. No, no, not, I mean, it's, I, I love it because uh, I could definitely use, uh, you know, uh, help and, and advice in this area because I, I mean, personally, I spent like, basically since I was uh, in, in, in high school, uh, you know, with this on and off cycles where I would like some, sometimes I would, well, this is pre-Bitcoin, but I still, I still have some uh, area to improve in my, in my health, but we all do basically used to be, yeah, we all, we all do. But I used to basically have these phases where I would like, um, you know, spend, I, I don't know, six months to a year, you know, with, uh, I don't know, working out and eating, eating well and, you know, getting into shape and so on. And then I would like, <laughs> you know, basically walk everything back and uh, get, get fat again and, uh, you know, uh, sloppy and then, 
then then go back again into into sure. and all of this like kind of you know not taking things very you know uh, not seriously but just consistency now is when, the biggest thing uh, consistency yeah yeah that's because for example especially when you when you mentioned that uh, like you should get a calendar and basically x every every time you you want to string this box together don't break the chain that's actually this technique was what helped me uh, learn how to meditate uh, you know um, basically i had an app headspace where i basically every every time i did my 10 minute session which was it's, it's not a lot but you know it accumulates over time it's a process so i kind of uh, i reached I don't know, 800 and something 860 days or something when i broke my chain for the first time and That's I, a good I remember chain. yeah it's a massive chain so i i know i know this uh this 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 aspect of of uh you know being consistent with it and really yeah you you really motivated me now i'm gonna take a take a walk tomorrow and i just wanted to ask you so you, you said that uh, 15 minute walk without technology so do you you recommend not getting an, an apple watch or you know tracking because I also used to be like really into this, you know, quant quantif uh, quantify yourself or what whatnot, like measure everything, measure my sleep cycle, measure my number of steps, calories, whatever, you know, whatever I, I was doing. And uh, it's like, it is, I mean, personally, I, I found it like helpful uh, for, you know, kind of motivational basically you know it's something to measure so it keeps me uh, going but i also experienced that it's kind of uh, like with apple watch I, I bought the apple watch last summer and i i was walking every day until november last year when we had this uh, corona craziness and then i stopped um you know stopped going to walk every single every single evening because we had the protests that we that I kind of started that to attend, and the protests would end too late, and I stopped, uh, you know, stopped my streak. So I'm so that's not, again that's also not a solution. Like it's and sometimes you maybe you are not uh, you don't have technology or you don't have the internet connection on you, and you cannot really log your 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 workout or whatnot, and that can be. An excuse to actually not, uh, you know, <laughs> to basically not not do it. And um, so I like that you said that no technology walk. So I'm gonna probably try it, you know, exactly as you as you as you said because I don't know I mean, when when was the last time when I when I actually took a walk without my without anything, uh, no phone, no. Yeah. Just I mean, walk, I, so. I love podcasts, and the problem is, is I can listen to yeah. a podcast all the time now. And what I was realizing was that when, you know, when I say no technology, really what I'm trying to get at is no phone, because I think the temptation to take pictures of things or to yeah. look at your phone um, or to listen to a podcast, which, yeah. you know, yeah. listening to podcasts is good, but if you do it all the time, you're never yeah. spending time in solitude. It can come at a consequence. So really what I meant by that is just like a present walk, being present yeah. in the moment. Um, just a little nugget on tools. I, I think, your Apple Watch or tracking mechanisms for sleep, whatever it might be, uh, they're tools. And oftentimes tools are useful when we start using them 
and they reach a point where they're no longer serving us. Yeah. And I think with a lot of biofeedback, quantifying things, they can be useful to gain awareness um, or to motivate you initially. But eventually they get to a point where actually they inhibit your ability to become self-aware. Like, for example, I know people that started using a sleep tracker. It made them more aware of their sleep and how they were sleeping. But it got to a point that when they woke up and felt like they had a great sleep and they looked at their sleep tracker and it said they didn't, yeah. they, they immediately were like, oh, I didn't have a good sleep. So like you, I think it's good to reintroduce yourself to a sense of literacy, body literacy and awareness. But at a certain point, you grow out of it and you can then rely on your um, like internal literacy, like body literacy to tell you whether you sleep well or not instead of just a device. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this health experience we designed this year is the first year that we started accepting payment in SATs, enrollment fees in SATs. And we started paying teachers because we have teachers all around the world. There's like, mm -hmm. I think there's like 15 or 16 different countries that teachers are, are from. We pay them in SATs. So every time a batch comes in, we offer a 25% discount if they pay in Bitcoin. So a lot of that, like people will say, well, I don't know about Bitcoin, but I'll pay 25% less, which is like $250 discount. And uh, so, you know, the goal is to turn this into something that can appeal to Bitcoiners. And even in RAB, one thing I thought about, like I do want to come visit, hopefully October, November, I can come visit. Um, the idea of creating a value for value health hub to replace a lot of disease care is very appealing to me. And what that looks like, and I do it in Ottawa, I do it where I live already. I basically say, if you need help with your health, you can come hang out with me for an hour. I'm mostly going to ask you questions and whatever you find it's worth, you can pay me. Yeah. Some people pay a little, some people pay a lot. And I think the idea of value for value and a, and a health hub instead of a disease care, you don't go somewhere for treatment. You go somewhere to get clarity and to be shown tools that are available to you. Like we yeah. have a foot and ankle health kit. It's like 85 bucks and it's a framework for understanding foot and ankle problems so that you can take ownership of them. Right? Like I used to be a physical therapist, people come in, they oftentimes just want to get rid of symptoms. And I don't have enough time to explain to them in depth to understand fully, you know, like if I'm giving you something to do, I don't want to give you something to do. I want to help you understand why I chose that thing for you to do, because it's actually not rocket science. It's very simple. And if I can do that, then when you have knee pain, you don't have to come back to me. You understand the framework. So you just apply the framework to your knee pain and you have a, you have a method to explore with some, um, process right you're not like just guessing because if you're just guessing and you're not measuring and determining if something helps well it's not very motivating to keep it up because you have no feedback to reinforce that what you're doing is working and they're incredibly simple things right and the idea that you could have a health hub where people can come in anytime or they can book an appointment a family can come in and you literally just have an open health discussion i think a health guide an effective health guide is one that doesn't tell you what to do is one that asks you the right questions for you to figure out what to do which is yeah. way harder and also requires you to unravel a shitload of programming if you are trained as a health professional, because you're trained to think you have the answers. You must have the answers for people. Their health is your job. It's super fucked up because no one, health is an inside job and you don't have the answers for anyone. Exactly. But you can ask the right questions and share your perspective on what you've learned in your life. So, you know, really it's like health professionals, being a health guide should come from proof of work, which is your own health, not from a proxy of some degree that shows you're good at taking tests. Because I know a shitload of health professionals that are insanely unhealthy yeah. and yet think, and they're good people and they're well-intentioned, yeah. but they're suffering just as much as everyone else because they don't understand health. All they understand is how to manage disease. And those are fundamentally different things. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll uh, chat about that. Maybe we do a Bitcoin meetup when we have a health conversation. Yeah, definitely. Make yeah. health a topic when... when because, you know, if I can leave this freaking dictatorship.
Canada in uh, at the end of this year, I, I do want to come and just visit Rab for 30 days, mostly because I want to scout. I want to I want to scout the the mining potential there. Um, I, I think that would be very interesting to go around and see like how much stranded energy is there here? How much of a market is there for miners to be able to come drop a box? Like what is the eco? What is the environmental ecosystem? Political energy people. Um, so let's wrap this up because I mean two hours flies by very quick. But yeah, um, yeah. you know, if you're game to to do a two hour conversation once a month, and we can coordinate to Definitely. do that, for sure, I, for sure. I, I think there's probably a never ending, you know, bucket of things that we can continue to talk about. Even if it's you know, even if we don't have a plan, sometimes and we just shoot the shit. I, I think it's very. I find it extremely satisfying um, to talk about Bitcoin with people who like to talk about Bitcoin and find it uh, a big element of purpose in their life to help spread the message of Bitcoin, because you can learn so much by just having like a good faith conversation of sharing stories. Sharing stories is a powerful way to learn. Like most of what we do in this health program is just people sharing stories of struggles they've had or victories they've had or of insights they've had. And then we try and package all the insights together so that, you know, the the whole is greater than some of its parts same thing with that first quote that we mentioned it's like if you and i are, are having conversations we're learning from each other we're unpacking topics maybe we wouldn't have the opportunity to unpack in a in a, in a conversational dialogue uh we're probably going to learn from it if we can you know we didn't touch on digital education but maybe that that'll be a good focus next time is like we can literally for zero production cost record this plug it into the internet Anyone can watch it anywhere for free and learn from what we talked about. Like, how insane is that? Definitely. I uh, know I'm, I'm looking forward because uh, I'll definitely pick up some. I, I wrote down <laughs> your, your tips, at least until our next meetup. Uh, I'm going to try to try to start, uh, you know, work, work on my health a, a bit more and uh, I'm gonna piggyback off a few so you can check check how I'm doing uh, next time we, when we when we meet. Well, shoot me a message. If <laughs> you have any questions, much, uh, yeah, if you have yeah. any questions, shoot me a message on my WhatsApp. So, you know, I think uh, once again, community is that pillar of health that I think gets underestimated. And um, you know, even for any Bitcoiner listening to this, if you reach out to me on, on Twitter, nobody caribou. Um, you know, I don't know how much time I have to reply to DMs, but if I can, I will. And and uh, I love doing it. So, yeah. Yep. Thanks for taking the time, Pavao. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Nick. We'll eventually figure out a way. I mean, I think the event, this is kind of like a pilot show of like, you know, do you enjoy doing this? Do I enjoy doing this? Do other people enjoy listening yep. to it? So I'll put it on the stove. We'll see what people say. And I think if it is something that we both enjoy doing and that people enjoy listening to, if we're able to plug this show, or let's call it Orange Pillars, into a node that collects funds that we put towards the mission in RAB, um, mm -hmm. whether that's sending SATs to people or organizing meetups or, or whatever. Let's say that whatever revenue comes from this goes towards the mission of orange pilling RAB, which I hope to be part of in meat space at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not set up yet, but I right. think that's that will be our thing to work towards. Because if we, you know, who knows? If we accumulate a lot of episodes, people like it. There might be a lot of sats yep. that we can hand out in, in RAB or, or, you know, sats to pay for your time to go around and continue the mission of Orange Pilling RAB. So, yeah, I'm stoked at the potential. Nice. Thank you very much. And looking forward for our next, uh, next talk. Sounds good. I'll end the recording and then uh, we'll just wrap up right after. See you later, folks. <laughs>